You're listening to the Blue Jay Boys Show with Big Chuck, Sackman, and Senor Diaz. Only on WRSE. How's everybody doing? This is Big Chuck coming at you live with WRC 88.7 FM Blue Jay Radio. Just like the intro said, this is the Blue Jay Boys Show. I'm here with Senor Diaz to my left and Sackman right in front of me. we got another great show for you guys tonight. We're going to start off talking about the XFL, our new favorite football league. Um, after that, we're going to go into our draft, uh, do a new food bracket. we got a good one for you guys this week. has to do with the XFL teams. Uh, after we're done talking about the XFL, we're going to go into the NBA, talk about the NBA All-Star Game, what happened to the dunk contest, three-point contest. Uh, also talk about some other moves that are happening in the free agency of the NBA right now. And then after we get done with that, we wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about college basketball as it starts getting closer to March Madness. To start off, Sackley, how'd you like the XFL? The XFL is glorious. That was by far the best opening weekend they could have hoped for. I mean, there was four games, which were all good games, especially the D.C. Commanders and uh, the uh, Seattle Sea Dragons, which came down to the final possession, a goal line stop where Ben DiNucci, of all people, fumbled the ball on a very weird-looking play while the fans were making beer snakes and throwing lemons onto the field. When I think of XFL, that's what I want. I want just craziness, drunk fans. It was beautiful. You had a nine-point drive by the the sales of the St. Louis Battlehawks to come back and win. Down 15 with a minute left. Not even the Falcons could blow that. Not even Matt Ryan could <laughs> blow that. With the then to go for, instead of onside kicking, fourth and 15 from your own 25 and then scoring another touchdown. I love the XFL. It's beautiful. Um, we talked about it a little bit before the show, but the quality of the actual football on the was field. good. It, it was, but there's if you look at the box scores oh, yeah. and you watch some of these plays. Other than the absolutely dreadful offensive line playing zero run game across the league, it was beautiful. Do you think that with it being kind of a mediocre, more amateur-looking game of football, do you think this kind of wonder and fun we had with it is going to wear off if it starts getting to be worse? No, I think it's only going to get better. Once the O-lines, they kind of gel a little more, they figure out what they're doing, they maybe bench a guy and put in, you know, like the guy who lost 70 pounds from December who was working as an IT manager but now gets to play at pro football. Once they get put those guys in, <laughs> it's only going to get better. Josh, what was your favorite part about the XFL this weekend? Um, I like the new conversion rule that after a touchdown um, – you don't have to go for the kickoff. You can actually play a fourth and 20, I believe, or fourth and 15. And um, if you convert that, then you just keep going. You just get like you. Just, it's just like converting a fourth down, basically. And you have the opportunity to basically score like on this on that same drive and just keep going and try and win the game. And we saw that with the St. Louis. Uh, Battlehawks, which I thought that was like really interesting and really like fun to see, um, and then um, the kickoff. The kickoff's really cool. Um, I like how they did it. You know, less injury, less injuries that we'll see, and it keeps the game exciting. You know, because they're lined up right in front of each other, five yards apart, and they're ready to go right when that ball's caught. So it, I think, aspects of the game like that for the XFL was really fun for me to watch. And um, I'm just excited to see more if they add in new things here and there, little by little. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did your team do this weekend, the Vegas Vipers? Um, my team started off hot. 
um, in the first half. And then, uh, you know, Luis, Luis Perez uh, had, like, a history thing in the books with throwing a touchdown in XFL 3.0, 2.0, USFL, and AFL. So, you know, he's a quarterback that's bounced around a lot, but, you know, he's he really um, he can play ball, but, you know, he has his uh, mistakes. He threw two interceptions for both of them were pick sixes. <laughs> so that didn't really help us too much. Um, the defense kind of let up a little bit, um, but, I mean... But your Roughnecks, really, or Renegades, they uh, pulled through with the dubs. So. Yeah, not the Roughnecks. My bad. The Renegades, My baby. Bad. We're here Arlington to play. Arlington Renegades, coached <laughs> by Bob Stoops. I, when I was looking at this team and I picked them as my favorite team, I didn't think they were going to be very good. I kind of just picked them because Will Hill was on their team. <laughs> <laughs> but they kind of, the defense looked fun. The defense was it Dynamite. looked real fun. The defensive line pick six. Yeah. You know, hopefully we can get that next week. I have no clue who your quarterback is. I've never heard of that man ever in I my life. I thought Kyle Sloter was going to be starting. Yeah. I was ready who, to buy a Kyle Sloter jersey. Who's Drew, who's Drew Plitt? I don't know. He sucked. <laughs> I mean, it, it was fun. Um, you know, that game wasn't as exciting as some of the other games this weekend. Uh, but it still proved that, like, the Vegas Vipers, when you look at their roster – that should be a team that should be winning a lot of games. They yeah. have a lot of guys who are really good in the NFL. Yeah, they got two, like, all pros. Beasley and uh, Martavis Bryant was basically an all pro at one point. Uh-huh. And then Martavis Bryant did not look very good. Do you yeah. think guys like that who are, you know, I think Martavis Bryant is probably a guy who's trying to get back into the NFL at this point in his career, trying to, you know, get back there. Same with guys like Josh Gordon on the other side of the ball. Do you think games like that, like fully kill his career even after like one game i don't think so i wouldn't say kill it's just like right now because he's been gone so long like he's like kind of just like an anomaly or like it's kind of just like oh you like he's a funny guy like at this point like a guy like josh gordon we know he could still play it's just whether or not he can pass a drug test for more than 17 weeks in a row with martavis bryant he's more like a novelty act at this point like, he's trying to establish himself as a legit pro player again, a legit guy that can come and help your team. Obviously, he's put on some muscle and some weight since he's last seen him as he looked, you know, like a defensive end. But, I mean, he did have four catches, so that helps. But right now, he's just trying to establish himself as a guy you can bring in. A guy like Vic Beasley, Josh Gordon, it's okay. They were, I mean, Josh Gordon was playing good football like three, four years ago. It wasn't that long. And then ever since then, he was with the Seahawks, Chiefs. I'm like, you know, for four or five weeks here and there. With him, it's like just showing us that he can still do it. Beasley, it's, you know, he's had a very sharp, sharp, sharp decline from being leading the league in sacks on a team that was in the Super Bowl to being in the XFL. With, those two, with him, it's more so just trying to, like, rekindle whatever flame he has left. With Bryant, he's just, he's kind of like a Johnny Menzel right now. He's just trying to not be a novelty act, which... You know, if he builds off the week one performance, he could do it by the end of the season, especially if he looks like he has that speed that he once had. With Beasley and Gordon, it's just showing that they can still kind of do it. They know they're not going to be stars. Again, they can just be, you know, guys that are on your practice squad or guys that, you know, are rotational guys. With Martavis, it's him just trying to show that he's still a legit athlete. Um, 
Do you think, you know, having a quarterback like Luis Perez and that offensive line that that team had where you saw at the end of the game they just broke down much like all the other offensive lines in this league, do you think that is going to have more of an impact on his future as well if he can't get the stats just because those guys aren't good? I mean, the O-line's terrible. That's going to hurt him. Luis Perez, that's the best you're going to get in a league like this. I mean, he's been he was, he was the most efficient quarterback in the USFL last year. He, I remember even back in the old AAF, he like kind of carried the Birmingham Iron for a couple weeks because Wash Trent Richardson couldn't. <laughs> He's the best you're going to get in a league like this. So I'd take him over Drew Plitt. The only quarterback I wouldn't really take him over is De'Ara King, your Miami boy who really carried the defenders. Yeah. Looked a lot better than Jordan Tamu, who I'm surprised never really got an NFL shot. Uh and then A.J. McCarron, because A.J. McCarron is a legit NFL quarterback. Yeah. Like he's the guy you're going to bring in to be your backup, and then he's a backup where you feel okay if he's going to start for you know a month. I was kind of surprised that he was even in this. It was more so for his kids because he wanted his kids to see him play and not hold a clipboard. So that is also another good story, guys like that in the XFL. Other than those two guys, I mean, there really isn't another quarterback I'd take over him in the XFL. What was your least favorite part about the XFL that you saw? I mean, we're all big guys here. And that offensive line play was just bad. I mean, there was one guy in the Battle Hogs, Gonzalez. I guess he's like their captain. Yeah, he's captain underpants. (laughs) That was not good. It's just, and it was across the league. Other than the I felt the defenders' old line, they kind of played well the whole game. They ran the ball well the whole game. They're the only team that really had success running the ball. But, like, if that's the play you're going to get, then it's going to be a lot of, like, sloppy football games. But other than that, there really wasn't too much that I disliked. All the games were competitive. All the games were close. They're a little lower scoring, but, you know, it's the first week. Defenses are usually ahead of the offenses. But other than that, I really didn't come away with anything that I disliked. What was your favorite and your least favorite uniform? My favorite would have to be the, the Renegades. I mean, that light blue with the black like that, I thought that was really cool. My second favorite would probably be the Sea Dragons just because, like, I saw those really cool away uniforms. Even though I hate orange, I thought they just they looked nice. My least favorite is the Orlando uh, Predators, who were used to be my favorite team back when they were in New York. Now they moved to Orlando and they changed their colors with that nasty neon green. Looks like a, a Chinese league basketball team. <laughs> Shanghai Dragons. Yeah, they like they're the, the <laughs> Zhengchong Flying Panthers. No, Flying Leopards. That's an actual team. Probably butchered the pronunciation. I was going to say, I thought, I thought you came up with that, man. <laughs> I was like, that's impressive. Yeah, there's, that's the team Emmanuel Moutier played on before he went to the <laughs> Nuggets in the draft. Where do these facts come from? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't like those uniforms. The uniforms they had in New York where they were, like, black and red, those are cool. Now that, like, I'm very confused because they're the Guardians, but they have a Panther as their logo. When I picture a Guardian, it's more kind of like a like a angel type thing. Like, like a, a warrior. Yeah, like yeah. a warrior. Not a Panther. <laughs> Not some Panther you see in the Everglades that Hillbilly Bob's fighting off with a <laughs> rifle. Josh, what was your favorite and least favorite uniform? Huh, that's a good one. Um, I mean, I don't know. I liked my away jerseys for the Vipers. Um, 
I just looked at their home jerseys. They probably have the best home jerseys because they're red and black. It's simple. Um, um, I also did like not being biased. I did like the Brahmas jerseys. Their home ones, those were really nice. I like the darkish green with the yellow and neon green. I really like that. Um, let's see. Who didn't I like? I'm trying to see because of all the games that I tried to catch that day. Uh, I think the Roughnecks were a little weird. I didn't really like the the white and then the automatic blue. Like There was no like, fade-in or anything. And I'm not saying like all the jerseys are like that. Where they have to have, like, a cool fade in on it and whatever. But, like, theirs just looked way too weird. Like, it was, like, helmet and jersey matched perfectly. And that that's, that was just, that threw me off. I, I, I hated the Roughnecks uniforms. Their helmets are so weird. They're supposed to be, like, the Texas flag, I think. Yeah. So it's, like, white in, like, one, like, corner of it. And then, like, a little of it's chunk like of it's red, red and then half of it's, it's blue. blue. Yeah. And it looks awful. Yeah, and then they have the logo, an oil tower uh-huh. for a logo. And so, I mean, that's I, that's at least what it looks like to me. So, I mean, yeah. that's bad. Oh, I love the, not, I mean, being biased, Darlington Renegades uniforms are so clean. And I only think it's because The Rock, like, owns them. So he just got them the best uniforms out of everybody. It's like, I'm going to pay for the most for these ones. Um, but I really thought those were by far the best. Sackley, who was your offensive MVP? Of the XFL this week, I'd say I'm gonna go Derek King. I mean, he just really I felt kind of took over the game. He looked electric. Looked like he was back in Miami or Houston back in the day. I'm gonna go with him. Yeah, Josh, who do you got for your offensive MVP? Hmm, that's a good one. <laughs> Probably McCarron. From the Battlehawks, he had a really good performance. I mean, it was really up and down. It was a really uh, boring first half, but then it picked up at the end. And, I mean, after he converted that uh, fourth and 15, fourth and 20, he just he kept going and rolling with the punches. So I, that's who I'm going to take. Yeah. My offensive MVP is going to be Kalen Balaj. He led the league in rushing. He had 24 carries for 88 yards. Oh, yeah. you know, he was the only person who could run the ball, and he was like, one of the few people where I actually, like, read his name. I'm like, I don't know why I remember him from the NFL, but I know he was in the yeah, NFL. He was in the Dolphins. He had the eight-touchdown game when he was uh-huh. in college at Arizona State. Exactly. Exactly uh, your defensive MVP. I'd say my defensive MVP would have to be um, – he was actually on the Bears for, like, three years. He just never played a game. It was Michael Joseph. Uh-huh. He had, like, two interceptions. I believe one of them turned for a touchdown. He was on the D.C. Defenders. He was one of those weird guys that just linger on a team for like three or four years, but just never, you've never actually seen him play. So, yeah, Michael Joseph, good for you, man. Josh, your defensive MVP? Devontae Bowsby from the Renegades. You know, he had a pretty good game. He had an interception, probably the one of the pick sixes mm-hmm. that was there. Um, he had a really good defensive game. They were interviewing him a lot from what I saw. I love, like, the middle-of-the-game interviews yeah. <laughs> just in front of everybody. Those are the best. They're so entertaining. Um, I'm going to give my defensive MVP to Thomasy Lulule. Uh, I practiced that name. I still don't know if I said it right, though. Uh, he had the other pick six for the Renegades, and he's a defensive lineman, uh, so they've been hyping that yeah. up a lot. Uh, uh, so that was really fun to see again as a Renegades fan. I was excited for that. Exactly. who's your donkey of the week? The XFL? Yep. Or anything. It could be anything. 
probably go with Julius Randle in the three-point contest. I mean, that was hard to watch. <laughs> Even his son started crying because he was missing so many shots. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I like Julius Randle a lot, but that was bad, my friend. Josh is your donkey of the week. Uh, I got the Chicago Bulls. Um, it's a bit of a curveball, but I don't think the – I mean, we talked about it a little bit. The Patrick Beverly signing wasn't – Something that we were foreseeing, and it's obviously, at least for me, I don't think it's going to help boost the morale or, or um, you know, boost up the winnings for us. I mean, maybe he'll push everyone to play harder. Hopefully that's the case. I mean, we'll talk about it when we get there. But, um, yeah, I, that, that was just a very awkward signing and something to happen for us. Uh, my donkey of the week, going back to the XFL, is Paxton Lynch. Uh, he is the only quarterback to be benched in basically every single football league ever. NFL, CFL, XFL, USFL, USFL. And this was a man. What was he taking? Tenth overall? Yeah, to uh, the Broncos, 24th. right? Oh yeah, twenty fourth. Yeah, he was gonna be the number one overall pick, but uh-huh. he just slid. And it's just, I, I don't understand how. Well, they, they never even really gave him a chance. They only started like three or four games, and they just said, "Yeah, we're good." Oh, he was pretty bad in those three or four games, though. Yeah. And he was pretty bad in this game. He's been pretty bad his entire career. He got that bad goatee thing. Yeah. I don't, and, like, the only reason John Elway took him was because he's tall. Like, John Elway just loves those tall quarterbacks. All in white. <laughs> if you got that, you're good for the Broncos. <laughs> That's all it is. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Who's your big man of the week? That uh, Yuri Yaga, the little Lele guy from the <laughs> Renegades. He he was looking good on that run, man. He was he was moving. Uh huh. He was I looked pretty athletic. That's an NFL player if I've ever seen one. Hey, he might get a shot. Yeah. Josh, who's your big man? I got the Rock. Um, you know he he sparked something with uh, you know working with his ex-wife and getting everything back and rolling. So I'm very excited for what he and his wife and the owner of the XFL have brought back to us. And I mean, I'm very excited to see what the future holds. My big man of the week is going to be Guillermo. Uh, he was balling out in the Celebrity All-Star game. <laughs> he was hilarious. He's this, like, he's big in width, not very big in height. He's, like, five feet tall. Sure, just, he's like, your chubby. average, uh, average Hispanic and on the street. He might have been my favorite part of the All-Star weekend. Like, that's, first of all, we'll get to that when we talk about the NBA All-Star game, but that's how boring the All-Star weekend was, that I liked Guillermo the most out of everybody there. Um, before we move on to our draft and our food bracket, I wanted to ask you guys one more question. Who do you think is going to be this year's P.J. Walker for the XFL? Like, breakout player? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was watching the Seattle Sea Dragons, and this guy, Jacor Pearson, he was like a smaller slot receiver, kick return. He just he looked really good. I mean, he was making plays all game. They may have lost, but I'd give it to him. Yeah, I'm not giving it to Josh Gordon because he's Josh Gordon. I mean, nobody is. <laughs> it's got to be more like an unexpected type of guy. Like P.J. Walker, no one really thought he was going to do anything. I, I'd give it to you right now, Jacor Pearson. Josh? Um, I'm taking Max Borgie from the Roughnecks. They're saying he's the – oh, my God. Christian McCaffrey of the XFL. And, I mean – Yeah, he was he, good at Washington State. Yeah, he he had some nice runs. He had a nice touchdown run. Um. To really help them 
put up the score. So I think that's who my P.J. Walker is going to be. And for me, Sackler, you already talked about him a little bit. He's, I'm a huge fan of him, Derek King. I think he's going to come out and prove to the people why a couple years ago when he was getting that chance at Miami, why a lot of people thought he was going to be a Heisman favorite that year before he got hurt. And he was playing really well until then. And then he kind of got phased out. You know, he wasn't playing well after the injury. They got him out of the lineup for Van Dyke. And then he kind of just lost his opportunity to play in the NFL because of that. So I hope he gets another shot in the XFL. And the way he played the other day, I think he's really has an opportunity to prove that he belongs playing in the biggest football league on earth. For our food draft this week, first we wanted to say congratulations to this week's winner. We did a randomizer earlier. And the winner this week was Zach Norman uh, from the comments on our Instagram post. He has won $15 to go buy himself his own Culver's double cheeseburger. So congrats, Zach Norman. This week for our draft, we wanted to match up uh, the draft with the start of the XFL. And because of that, we are doing foods from our XFL's teams, you know, just on state food. Um, to start off... Josh, you had the Vegas Vipers. What's your food representing them this week? So there were a lot of choices when it came to this because it's Vegas. You're going to find anything and everything over there. Um, but the one I thought <laughs> that um, really um, just came down to just being the easiest to go get um, was uh, spicy Korean barbecue uh, wings. So that's what I'm going to take for to represent the Vegas Vipers. All right. Sackley, what's representing St. Louis for you? We have some nice, good old, hearty St. Louis barbecue. All right. We're going to have barbecue for the second time on the show. To avoid it being on for a third time, I picked something a little different for my Arlington Renegades. Going with a nice country fried steak. Oh, okay. So this week, the way we're doing the food bracket, we're going to do a little different. We're going to do, for our fourth spot, a little wild card bracket here. We have a couple things on that list of stuff. Um, but for when we pick that final wild card out of those four options, we're going to have the fans choose this week for us. So next week, the taste test, uh, the taste competition is going to be based off what you guys say in the comments on our Instagram post. So be sure to stay tuned for when we post that, uh, say which ones you think would win each battle. And then next week we'll tell you guys the winners and we'll try them out live for you guys for our wild card bracket. We had a couple tough options. So we had to pick. Uh, from the teams that were left uh, in the XFL. Uh, the problem with that is that, like, half the league is from Texas. <laughs> yeah. So we do have to have a little Texas representation in there. Um, to start out with that wild card, we're going to do street tacos. That's going to represent the San Antonio Brahmas. Uh, for our second competitor in the wild card bracket, for the Orlando Guardians, we're going to have a nice key lime pie. We're going to get a little dessert. That's something we haven't really tried on the show yet, so it may throw a little wrench in things. We'll see. Uh, for the D.C. Defenders, uh, D.C.'s kind of got weird food. <laughs> they got a <laughs> lot of different food. Uh, but the one thing that stood out to us when we were researching them was that it was called uh, a half oh, half stewed hot dog. Something half roasted. Like, half roasted hot dog. Um, and so... It said that they don't have those outside of D.C., like anywhere. We're going to search for them. If we can't find them, we're just going to go with a regular hot dog yeah. from famous Gene and Jude's down here in Illinois. Yes, sir. 
And then for the last spot, I have to like get my notes out here. We had for the Seattle Sea Dragons, we're going to do some salmon for them. Get a little fish out of Seattle. So, Josh, first up, we're going to go salmon versus street tacos. Who are you taking in that battle? Ooh, man. Do my culture dirty or pick the one I like the most? <laughs> um, I'll probably go salmon. Uh, I'm a big fish guy. I really like salmon, so, yeah. Personally, out of those two, I'm not a huge fish guy. Uh, salmon, can't say I'm a huge salmon guy either. I know a lot of people hate that, you know, choice for me. I got to go to street tacos. I love me a good taco, especially, you know, carnitas, anything like that. Sackley, <laughs> <laughs> you're the deciding vote here. What do you got? Street tacos. I'm not a big fish guy, and I love tacos. If I didn't pick tacos, my girlfriend would probably be pretty mad too. So. <laughs> Going with tacos. Yeah, I think I got an ancestor flipping in the grave right now, so it's fun. <laughs> On the other side of the bracket, we got the hot dogs going up against the key lime pie. <laughs> this is a very strange battle. Sackley, who do you got in this battle? Go with a nice, nice uh, hot dog, nice red hot, Chicago style. <laughs> Josh, who do you got? I'd have to go with the hot dogs, too. The It's... I understand dessert's a little bit of, uh, you know, throwing a, just like in the movie Dodgeball, he throws the wrench at him, dodge it, you know, that's, that's what I'm doing, I'm dodging it and going with a nice hot dog, can't deny a Gina Jude's hot dog, I know it's not the same as a DC half-roasted hot dog, but I mean, can't turn down Gina Jude's. Uh, we'll, we'll do a dessert episode one of yeah, these days. Yeah, one of these days, yeah. And, and Key Lime Pie may get its revenge out here, because I'm going to have to go with hot dog, clean sweep here, you know, yeah. they were a one seed in this wild card bracket. For the championship, we got the hot dog against some street tacos. Josh, what do you got here? Oh, man. Um, I mean, I already think I know what's going to win, so I'm just going to go with it. I'm going to go with the street taco. Exactly. Street tacos. I like a hot dog, but street tacos are just better, especially with all the stuff you can do, put in them. You can put a lot of stuff on hot dogs. Yeah, but... I put ketchup on it. I'm going to get yellow. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's you what put mu- a- <laughs> mustard's great. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, we can't put ketchup on it. And then I don't really like, like, you know, the pickle or, like, the relish. I'm not big on that. I'll, I'm fine with onions. On culture. What about, like, a good chili cheese dog? Yeah, but then I'm going to, then I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I just got to go with tacos. Fair enough. Honestly, I think I would have picked hot dog, but that already lost. So I guess I'm going to have to. <laughs> I would have picked hot dog, too, but I thought I was going to get blindsided and lose another one with tacos from both of you. Hey, it's okay. Um, you know, I love me a good hot dog. I was After we, like, put it into the competition, I started thinking about hot dogs. Like a good <laughs> dog. Um, but I'll save that for myself one of these days. So that final spot is going to be street tacos. So on our Instagram, we'll have you guys vote. We're going to have the street tacos going up against our number one seed, which is Josh's out in Vegas, the Korean barbecue wings, Mm -hmm. right? And then Sackley is going to have his St. Louis barbecue going up against my country fried steak. That's a hard one. It's going to be a tough one. 
Uh, we'll put that on Instagram. We'll have you guys vote a couple of times. Uh, after the first round, we'll have the championship battle, and then we'll have that next week to give away another $15. Again, this week, the winner of the $15 was Zach Norman. Uh, we'll post later with him to give him his winnings and show you guys what's going on with that. All right. Next up, and our last category for the XFL, we wanted to do our draft during this section as well. We got three picks today, just as usual, and then we'll have you guys vote on our Instagram story who won this draft. Watching the XFL, we saw a lot of guys uh, that we haven't heard their names in a really long time. And as you know, a lot of men, you know, the stereotypical men thing is just to sit around and talk about random athletes that we haven't thought about in a long time. The XFL got us thinking about some of our favorite random athletes. So even though we may not have each other's or trying to steal each other's picks this round, exactly. Who's your first random athlete you can think of? Well, as you guys know, I'm a big Bears fan, so I'm going to go with the Bears guy. I'm going to go with good old Khalil Bell. <laughs> that is the name I heard. <laughs> that, he got that one nice touchdown from Caleb Haney. His first run ever was like a 60-yard run. Then he didn't touch the ball the rest of the year. <laughs> and Yeah, he's number 32. was on our team for a weirdly long time, <laughs> like five years. And he had like 50 carries. It was a dog when he got the carries. And then, yeah, I'm going with Khalil Bell. <laughs> Josh, who's your first-round random player pick? I don't know. Sticking with the Bears team, Josh McCown. I thought that was, Go! <laughs> I thought, I mean, he played on almost every team in the NFL, and luckily one of them was the Chicago Bears. <laughs> my favorite sport to think about random players is baseball. So I'm going to take my first-round pick in baseball. It's going to be Ricky Weeks. Played second base for the Brewers. The Brewers posted something about him a couple weeks ago. He was one of my favorite players when I was younger, going to a bunch of Brewers games. He was a lot of fun. Sackley, who's your second-round pick here? We'll go with a guy, you know, kind of grew up with him. We loved him. Ronnie Brewer. <laughs> Good pick. Ronnie Brewer-ha, <laughs> Stacey King used to say. Josh, who's your second-round pick? Oh... You know, you brought up baseball, and I forget his name <laughs> because he plays. He used to play for the Chicago Dogs. He was a pitcher for the Cubs. Um, I forget his name. Here, you go, and I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna find it. <laughs> Blake Parker? No, no, no. It was Hispanic. It was Hispanic guy. He had a really bad oh. temper. Oh, the. The big Sombrano? dude? Sombrano? Yeah. Yeah. Sombrano, yeah. He was my guy as a kid, bro. I love that he man. Was, you get mad. <laughs> yeah, bro. I love that guy. I he saw a video. Amazing. He's like still pitching somewhere, like in like really? uh, semi pro leagues and yeah. stuff. He yeah. He used he's to like, play for the Chicago Dogs. He's like, huge. He's now. mad. Like yeah. Jeff McDonald, the halftime of the Carthage <laughs> game, mad. <laughs> I don't think anybody would ever be that mad. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> My second-round pick, uh, I'm going to go with my favorite basketball player when I was younger, Ursan Ilyasova. Cool. He is wow. faked his identity. <laughs> God. He is, like, when I was a young Bucks fan, and the Bucks were really bad, Ursan Ilyasova was one of their best players. So that should tell you how bad the Bucks were. He was the only player. Me and my friend waited outside uh, with pennants and uh, little pictures for the players to sign. And it was after the Bucks had gotten beaten by, like, 30. So we were just sitting outside. He was the only guy to stop by and sign my pennant. So Ursan Elisova was my favorite player from that point on. I he was a freaky looking dude. He's <laughs> he really scary was. looking. He looked like he was like 
like a the mercenary for like the KGB in like Eastern Europe in the eighties. Like he was a scary looking dude. He looked like he'd be in like a Rocky movie. Well, based on all the information that's coming about out about him, he may have oh, yeah, been. He, he did fake his real name's Ursan Ilyasov. Uh-huh. And yeah. But he it worked. Exactly. Who's your third round pick here? Uh this guy we grew up with on the Cubs during the rebuilding era. So he's always he was a very streaky hitter. He was a very good home run hitter. Rest in peace, Luis Valbuena. <laughs> I, I I remember we, we acquired him to be our third baseman. And, you know, he was he was a good player and sadly he passed away. He was in a car accident. You know? Every once in a while I think about that home run he hit like five hundred feet. It was kinda nuts. Yeah, that was nuts. He was kind of like the last era of guys on that rebuilding era, like the Samarjas, the oh, Jeff Samarja. the, the Darwin Barneys of that time. <laughs> he was one of the last guys that, once the Bryant came in to be our third baseman, we booted him. It was kind of sad. Uh-huh. Josh, who's your last pick here? <sighs> Taking a bit of a weird spin going NHL, Corey Crawford, you know, has we haven't heard about him in a while. Um, Blackhawks legend for us, but then – had a major, major downfall. But, yeah, Corey Crawford. You guys went with a couple Bears players. I think I'll close it out with one of my favorite Bears players, Jeremy Langford. Oh, yes. He was never more than, like, a 700-yard back at best. In he his really career. wasn't even with us that long. <laughs> no, Two years. Only like three years. Two years. I remember being convinced that he was, like, next up, though. And he, he looked good his rookie year. Then we just cut him. Uh-huh. I never understood that. If well, you're picking a running back in the second round, <laughs> wouldn't you want to give him more than a year and a half? Well, he wasn't very good after he left the Bears, so maybe it was the right choice. But those three years, electric. One of my favorite players. All right, folks, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the NBA and the NBA All-Star game. We'll be right back. What? You're listening to the Blue Jay Boys Show with Big Chuck, Sackman, and Senor Diaz, only on WRSE. Welcome back to the Blue Jay Boys Show. If you are just tuning in, this is Big Chuck coming at you live with WRC 88.7 FM Blue Jay Radio. If you guys are just tuning in, you missed us talking about the XFL and what happened this weekend in the brand new football league in America. Uh... Now we are going to move on to the NBA All-Star Game that happened this past weekend. A lot of people, uh, including Nuggets head coach uh, Mike Malone, uh, Jalen Brown had words about it. A lot of people were calling it one of the worst basketball games ever played. Josh, how did you feel about this game? Um, I didn't get to catch a lot of it, but from the clips I saw, it just looked like they were just standing around letting things happen. And then you have the one uh, press conference with uh, Shia Alexander where he went to go take a dunk and LeBron's playing all-out defense on him, you know. And, I mean, I understand it's an all-star game. You're not there to get hurt. You're not there to really, like, pop out and go crazy. But, like, I mean, it should be a game. I mean, it, it, what's the point of having all these people spend all this money? And, like, NBA tickets are expensive. Like, any, like, league you go to is expensive. And it was just, like, really boring. Like, there's still shots of just, like, right there on that screen. I know you guys can't see it, but you got guys just standing around just watching LeBron go and dunk and or having, you know, your one-on-ones here and there, your ISOs. And it was just, it was boring. I mean, even the, like, maybe the only exciting thing was maybe the dunk contest. 
that's about it. In the Celebrity All-Star Game was probably way more entertaining than the actual All-Star Game itself. So, I mean, I don't know. It depends on how you look at it from certain perspectives. But it was what Michael, what Michael Malone said. It was probably one of the worst basketball games played. Exactly how did you feel about this one? It was just terrible. I mean, even, like, you go back, like, five, ten years, like, it was still, like, it was obviously more high scoring, but it was still, like, a legit game. Like, they even, like, tried. This game, it was, like, every possession, uncontested dunk, uncontested three, jogging back, like, come on. Like, I get it. It's an all-star game. You don't want to – I get it. But, like, at least give, like, 50% effort. Like, this just gets worse and worse every year. These players, like – I know I'm going to sound like an old head, but I really appreciate Anthony Edwards calling out all these guys for this load management and resting. Like, these guys are so soft. Like, the NBA is so soft now. The players basically run the league. All they do is they have all the power, and all they do is complain. Now they they can't do 82 games. It's too hard. Michael Jordan did 82 games, dropping 40 points a game, and then would go and smoke cigars for three hours. (laughs) Will Chamberlain would drop 50 every night, and then... Go and <laughs> do what Will Chamberlain does. Do what Will Chamberlain would do, <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about. These guys, like, you ask them to, like, somewhat try an Ulster game. Like, oh, I can't. And then they, one little thing happens, and then they demand a trade. Like, this All-Star game was terrible. Like, we can all admit it was terrible. And they know it was terrible. And they're not ashamed of it either. Mm-hmm. I understand it's an All-Star game, but at least, like, give some sort of effort. Just a little. Just bend your knees a little bit when you're on defense. Get in, like, put your hands up. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the past couple of years, although they weren't great All-Star games, we were kind of spoiled a little bit because the All-Star games seemed like they meant more to the players, and I think they did because of what we were going through as a society during those times, just like COVID and all the other social movements that were going on. It just it felt nice to have the all-star game be giving money to charity for the game and every quarter meant something to the players and to what they were playing for. And this year it just didn't feel like it had any of that, what they had in the past year. And the crazy part is, is it did have all that. It was the same exact game, same exact rules, same exact uh, way of donating to charity throughout the quarter quarters. And then it just seemed like the players didn't care enough. And, I wanted to ask you guys, do you think the location of this All-Star game, being in Salt Lake City, Utah, do you think that had anything to do with the energy that was brought to this game? If anything, they should have had more energy because it was in Salt Lake City because as Charles Barkley said, all these people are going to heaven because you can't (laughs) smoke there, you can't drink, there's nowhere to party, there's no nightclubs. So, you know, I can understand if it was like in Atlanta or like, you know, Vegas or Miami where, you know, they probably would have went drinking the night before. But, no, they had no excuses. They were in a nice, like, you know, Mormon Christian hotel, and, <laughs> you know. Bobby Markin was ready to go. Why couldn't the rest of these guys be? <laughs> it was just, there's no excuses. Like, you could at least just try for a couple quarters. Yeah, and, I mean, I don't think the location had anything to do with it. I don't know if it was the fact that, you know, there were certain snubs that happened and guys didn't want to play or if it was the whole fact with Carmelo being there because of the whole allegations going on Talk with him. Too, yeah. um, that was real. There ain't no allegation. That was real. Well, yeah. yeah. Sorry. We'll, we'll talk about yeah. that a little bit. Um, so I don't know if it was factors like that, but, I mean, it, like I said, these some of these people, like Anthony Edwards said, 
Some of these people just barely make enough to come see you. And then you play like this. Or if it's an actual game and you're sitting out. That's that's sad, man. Respect like, to Anthony Edwards. Like, I, I get it. Like, basketball's probably, what, it's played almost all year round. So I understand, like, you got to help. You got to let your body recover this and that and whatever. But you got guys who are in the NFL, MLB playing almost year round or something like that. And they're still going. I mean, Russell Wilson, yeah, he says he puts someone however much money into his body. But he's still going to play. He's still going to give 110% because he wants to win games, obviously. But he's there to make it exciting for the fans. I mean, overall win, but make it fun. Like, that's why people always go to football football games because they know it'll be fun. Yeah, an injury here or there, something as stupid here or there, but it's overall a fun experience, and you get to enjoy it, unlike where you got guys just standing around doing nothing, letting LeBron throw it off the backboard and dunk. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you now, what things would you do to change the all-star game, to make it more entertaining, to make these guys care a little more. And the NBA has been one of the best leagues at trying to do that. They've been probably one of the most innovative with their all-star game out of all the team or all the uh, national sports lately. But what, what do you think they need to do a little more of or maybe change back that would help get players to want to play again? Find them. <laughs> They've done, they did the whole four quarter score thing, with the charities. They don't, that's not going to do it. It worked one time, you know, in the, in the All-Star game before the world ended. That was the only, in like, it was the Kawhi versus LeBron, L.A. That that worked out. But ever since then, you know, the only way you're going to get them to play is, okay, if, if you guys put on that poop show again, you guys are getting fine. The players aren't going to like that, but, like, there's nothing else you could possibly do. You're that or then you'd pay them say, okay, whoever wins this gets another 100K, but... That's not going to do much either because they already have millions. I personally, I would find them. If, it's, if they're that worried about the All-Star game, I would find them. Um, I'd say probably take away that whole pick the reserves first and then the starters yeah. or whatever. Just the do whole East ordeal. versus West. Yeah, like that 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 was stupid. I mean, have you, East, sorry, Josh. Have no. East versus West, whoever wins gets... Do it like baseball. Whoever gets home court advantage. That's the only way they're going to take it serious. Yeah, like, there has to be something, like, serious on the line, I think, in order for them to play. Um, like, the whole home court advantage thing. Um, other than that, I I actually agree with Zachary. I think finding them is something huge because, like, you're... It goes back to the whole thing. You're costing all these people money. This is boring. Like, what are you even doing here? Like, did you, like, yeah, you made it. Do you even want to be here? If you don't, let me know. We'll go get someone who actually got snubbed, and we'll put them in the game and make it more interesting. Like, that type of thing. But I agree with Sekley. I think we should find them. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I think that they should change about, like, just the weekend in general is they need to find a way to get the star players into the dunk contest. The dunk contest is the thing that everybody wants to see about All-Star Weekend. It's the, it's the NBA's home run derby. People care about that they think that's what's going to be the most fun in history that's what's been the most fun but the past like seven years or so it's just been random dudes that they can find like no matter what and these good dudes can dunk but it's not cool i don't i don't want to go see mac mcclung dunk yeah 
half the people watching the dunk contest had no idea who that dude was before this dunk contest. And after this dunk contest, they're still not going to know who he was because his dunks were just all right. Like DK had probably better dunks. DK in was the more celebrity game. like exactly said the all, the celebrity all star game was the most entertaining part about this all star weekend. Yeah. And well, I think getting guys like Giannis and LeBron ruined the dunk contest by never doing it. If he yeah. just did it once, did it you know three times in his career, other guys would want to do it. By him not choosing never to do it, all the other star players themselves have been like, yeah, I'm not going to do it either. Yeah, like I think the. For me, in my opinion, the last exciting one was with Levine and Aaron Gordon. That was, like, yeah. the last exciting dunk contest we've ever seen. And then you got guys now, like John Morant, he wants a billion dollars to go do it. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Giannis can do 360 dunks from the free throw line and chooses not to do the dunk contest. I've seen him do insane things. Just do it, dude. I don't understand these guys. Like, if they go out, like, Mag McClung, he came in at night with nine, nine, 90,000 followers. He left with a million. No one even knows who he is. Like, think about Jordan, right? That's his logo, him dunking from the free throw line. That's part of the thing that made him so great. It's like everyone remembers him with the chains out, floating through the air, doing the dunk. Like, a lot of these guys, like Aaron Gordon basically got that contract extension because everyone liked him because of the dunk contest. Zach Levine got noticed in the league because yeah. he won those dunk contests. Zach Levine got traded for for the next year because he – did well in the dunk contest. Derek Jones Jr. got an NBA contract, a couple NBA yeah. contracts after he won the dunk contest. Like, if you go, like, if you're John Morant, who you just unveiled a new shoe, if you go out and win the dunk contest and you're floating through the air and they, everyone sees your new shoes, and then maybe even say, if you really want to be <laughs> something, you say something after you win all these new shoes. Like, I can see why these guys only did one year of college because they're – like, in terms of business, why wouldn't you want to do it? You know, if you're going against Mac McClung and Jericho Sims, yeah, they're going to want to give it to the star. They're not going to want to give it to Jericho over here who takes one shot a game for the New York Knicks despite being their starting center. They're not going to want to give it to, you know, Woody Har- the athletic Woody Harrelson <laughs> over here who's in the G League, who's played two games in his career. The Bulls shouldn't have let go of because now we yeah, suck. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> tough They want to give it to you. Like, John Morant will be a unanimous winner every single year. In my opinion, that man would pull out tricks that we haven't seen since 2016. Levine and Aaron Gold. If, if the like, league, let's say the league had no injuries, I would watch a Zion, John Morant, Giannis, LeBron dunk contest yeah. every day. Yeah. Like I'd rewatch that over and over again. That's I'm, how crazy. Yeah. I mean, Levine's old, but I'd watch Levine do it again. He could still do it. Yeah. Like I'd watch Levine do it again. 100%. He probably would have won last year and this year if he would have did it. Why do you think these guys don't want to? Well, what, they're scared. Some not they're not gonna get hurt. No one's ever gotten hurt in a dunk contest, so that's irrational. No one in the history of the dunk contest has ever gotten hurt. The only time they've ever gotten hurt is that they decided to jump over a car and something buffoonery happens. They're worried that they go out and they miss, and then <laughs> they're gonna be on Twitter. But like, if you go out and you win, you're the talk of the town for the next three four days. You're gonna gain something good's gonna happen business related. I don't know. They're just so, oh, I don't want to get hurt. Yeah, Levine probably slapped a Band-Aid on his knee and said, my boo-boo hurts. So, Well, again, like, think about the home run derby. The guys who win the home run derby, the amount of, like, views they get from the MLB, the MLB automatically puts them, like, on superstar. Yeah. Like, 
Pete Alonso doesn't do much else besides hit home runs. And the, didn't and, he go back to back too? Yeah, and the MLB loves him because of it. Yeah, like that dude. All all he does is hit home runs. He can't play defense. He's not a good contact hitter. He's nothing else. He just hits home runs, and the MLB like praises him. The NBA would do the exact same thing to these guys that are in the dunk contest if the guys actually played NBA games, and yeah. the guys winning it weren't Mac McClung, who's going to go back to wherever the heck he was. Yeah, exactly. Or Dilmer Blue Coats, sorry. Yeah. I mean, it's not even like we can't like the last two dunk contests. It's not even like we're getting like you know just solid role players. Like we're getting guys that are barely in the league. Glenn Robinson the third a couple of years ago. Like we can't even like, get what? like a guy like someone that can. Dunk. We can't. We can't even get a Victor Oladipo anymore. Like when he was. Yeah. In the- like we can't even get like an emerging young guy that can go out and dunk. Well, like, Shaden Sharp was almost in it, and then he backed out of it because he didn't want to play and be in the dunk contest with these guys. Like, honestly, sh- honestly, the one rising star I actually see doing it year in and year out is that one French kid. That seven three oh, French yeah. kid, like I see him oh, doing it year in and year out, because he, he, yeah, he's literally he's taller than Rudy Gobert, almost as tall. He's taller than Giannis, or almost as tall. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're saying Giannis could do 360 dunks from the free throw line, so can this kid. This kid could win it every year if he wants well, to. Well, if he chooses to be in it when he gets in the league, though. Yeah. Is the issue. Paolo Bancaro didn't choose to do it, and he dunks pretty well. He's he, not, like, a dunker, but he can do it. He should have done it, in my opinion. I was just thinking about that when we started talking about this. Like, he like he just came out with shoes, too, what you were saying. Like, go yeah. promote your stuff. But, like, he's decent at it. You know, he's not your typical dunker like John Morant flying from the three-point line. But like he's a decent dunker, or like a guy like like R.J. Barrett, like he can throw down some nice stuff. He's left-handed; that always helps. Like that would he get a lot more street cred if he went and did it. Like there's no, like even if you go to a dunk contest and you flop, okay, you're you get made fun of for like eighteen to twenty-four hours, and then everyone forgets. If you go out and you get straight fifties. That goes down in history. Like, I just, like, we can't even get, like, average role players to do it now. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, you said uh, R.J. Barrett. What that makes me think, Ben Simmons. Why is Ben Simmons not trying to do the dunk He contest? ain't going to do it. But, like, why wouldn't he? That would be perfect for him. If he could go out there and get all the confidence from just getting 50s, because that dude can dunk. When he, he is an athletic freak. He ain't gonna when he it. wants to be. Yeah. Like, he should just go out there and do it. Because if he goes out there and drops 50s every time, people are going to talk about Ben Simmons again. And maybe he'd get a little confidence in his game again. Something else. <laughs> um, I wanted to also talk about uh, one of the other biggest controversies of All-Star Weekend. You guys hinted on it a little bit earlier. The inclusion of Carl Malone in the dunk contest. As a judge. As a judge. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, that was I, bad. I wanted to, a lot of people have been saying, obviously, and rightfully so, that this was a bad decision by the NBA. Um, Sackley, do you, do you think the NBA should have just already cut ties with this man? I don't know how, like, we just – this just gets, like, thrown under, like, no one cares. Like, you know, my man Miles Leonard, who just got back in the NBA, he was out for three years just because, you know, he couldn't hold back while he was playing some COD. But, like, he literally impregnated a 13-year-old girl, 12, like – a child. And he like, was what, thirty seven? He was he was twenty when he yeah, did it. He was, he was in college. Oh, man. okay. Yeah. But that you're a grown man. Mm-hmm. Like I work at a middle school. So part time right now. Like 
that's like one of the students who goes there. And then like he proceeded to never pay child support or the one time and then they settled out of court. It was like something ridiculous, like a hundred dollars a month, like nothing for an NBA player. And then when the kid was grown, like he met him, the kid wanted to meet him. He's like, Yeah, hey, I'm never gonna be your father. It's too late. And that kid went to the NFL. And like he still refuses to like even include him in anything. Like I don't know how that just doesn't get that just gets swept under the rug. Like he's a legit like pedophile. Like it's insane that the NBA is like even thinking about including him in something like the NBA is all about inclusion. They're all about social justice. But something like that, that's ridiculous. Like they'll ban and blacklist NS Kent. Cancer, because he put free Tibet on his shoes, free China, or whatever is going on over there. But that, I mean, that just shows that all they care about is business. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't they can say they want to be social justice and all that, but when there's something that's really like a social justice movement, they don't care. When Daryl Moore, Daryl Moore almost got expelled from the league just because he put one tweet. I don't know how that of all things just gets swept under the rug. Yeah. And it's like it's not like it's an unknown thing either. If you're an NBA fan, you know Carl Malone is a disgusting person. Yeah. Like it's well known. When with the moment they said he was gonna be a judge, every fan was like, Why? What what are you thinking? They in the middle of the two thousands, Utah had Jeremy Evans win the dunk contest. Why don't you have him come and be a guest judge? He's have uh, John Stockton. Anybody else? Have um, Gordon Hayward. Have somebody like. Well, like, he's, he's still kind of. But still, but yeah, yeah. he can go do it. He was a Utah legend. Aaron Williams. Exactly. Anybody else besides this man? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It's a bad look for the NBA, and that's that's saying something because Adam Silver has done a pretty good job as a commissioner so far, and this makes him look bad, like really good. bad. And I don't know, man. I just, it, it doesn't help the All-Star Weekend either. No, like, it's, it's a terrible location, too. To begin with. No one wants to go to Utah. I'm sorry. Utah's <laughs> nice. Even if you want to go retire. But it's, I don't know. It's The All-Star Weekend at this point is just so far gone. It's not even worth it anymore. Yeah. I mean, again, it's just like. That's the thing with the NBA. It happens in the NFL, but the players own the league now. I'm all for players having power and, you know, not like the old days where, you know, if you hurt yourself, goodbye, la-da-da. Like, now it's just, like, it's just pointless. And they always want to join together and leave whatever team that's treated them nothing but great and make these super teams that never end up working, like Brooklyn. Um, who else? The Clippers. That hasn't worked out. Really, other than that one year, the Lakers haven't worked out. And some people really don't even count that because it was in the bubble. All these players, they want to do this now. They demand trades after they've been given nothing but the best contract extension, the best this. I mean, and it's backfired every single time. Mm-hmm. The only right, the teams that are built and not bought win championships. They can do all this stuff, all these trades. You look back at the last few years, who won? Warriors. This was the truly built Warriors. The guys they've drafted, the big three they have, and the young guys, before that was the Bucks. The only guy they acquired was Drew Holiday. Other than that, they're all built there. 
Well, Lakers, yeah, you can make a case, but other than that, it was the guys they had. Raptors, mostly bought. They just trade for Kawhi, which I don't blame them for doing that. That that makes me think of a question for you. Um, with the influx of foreign talent into the NBA, so guys like Giannis, guys like Luka, guys like Victor Wenbanyama coming in, do you think that all this drama and this like criticism the NBA is getting about player management and the way the players run the league and the way the players act – do you think that is going to draw people more out of the NBA into basketball around the world and make that a bigger thing, more like kind of soccer, where it becomes more of a global sport and then the NBA is not the only major basketball league in the world because of the way they're handling a lot of this stuff recently? As far as I'm concerned, the basketball in Europe has caught up to the NBA. The last three MVP, no, four MVPs have been foreign-born players. Most likely a fifth in a row because Jokic is most likely going to well, win. Whoever, if Jokic wins it, if Giannis wins it, if Joel Embiid, Embiid wins it, that's yeah, a foreign Embiid, player. Embiid if Luka foreign, wins it, that's foreign player. And then the next big, the most hyped prospect since LeBron is Victor Wembanyama, France. It, and then you look at this load management, it's none of the, the foreign guys. It's all Americans. Like, the last time I really remember someone trying in the All-Star game and, like, going – Balls to the walls, 100% effort, was Giannis. Remember, he got, it was like the first or second time he was in there. He like dunked on Steph Curry. He was blocking shots, running back and forth. He had like 20 rebounds. Was that the New Orleans? It might, game, it might have think, been. Yeah. Was that those ugly jerseys, like the yellow and gray yeah, ones? Yeah, yeah. That, like it was that. that one. Yeah. Like, I see all this stuff and all these problems that we're talking about. It's none of it's really by foreign guys. Like, you look at Jokic. He was like out of place in that All Star. He had like four points. He was like, what are, we, what are we doing, my friends? This is not the basketball. Giannis <laughs> like, didn't even want to play in it. Yeah, well, and plus he had the wrist yeah, thing, but, but like, he doesn't, he, you can tell he doesn't like that. He, he probably would have done it in the first first place, even if he didn't have the wrist yeah. injury. Like, he like he doesn't even like talking. Like, all these players want to be buddy-buddy. He doesn't do that. All the peop, all the fellow players have said, yeah, Giannis doesn't do that. He's old school, which I like. It's This whole stuff, eventually, I think, majority of the good players in the NBA are going to be you of uh, foreign born players. They're more durable because they've been doing this since they're 14. Like, look at Zion was supposed to be the next thing. He's now missed 30 straight games now. It's going to be run by mostly Europeans. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about guys that are missing 30-plus games, let's move on and talk about the Chicago Bulls a little oh. bit and the news that came out a couple days ago about our guy Lonzo Ball uh. being benched, uh, sidelined for the rest of the season. Uh, this is something that we kind of saw coming, even though we didn't want to see it coming as Bulls fans. Uh, how do you guys feel about this? It's it's annoying and it's stupid. Um, <laughs> it's stupid. <laughs> and yeah, and that's that's the nicer version of what <laughs> we want and can't say. Um, you know, obviously, like you said, this is something we didn't want to accept, but you know, it came out and it happened and. It's just, it's like what we talked about at the house before. It was like, why, like, what did he do? Like, what went wrong with his knee? Like, there has to be something so, like, perfectly wrong with his knee to for him not to completely come back at all for a whole, almost two seasons. For a four- to six-week injury. 
Yeah, for a four to six injury, four to six week injury, and then reevaluate, and then that oh he'll be back by maybe midseason, and then all of a sudden it's no, he's done. We're gonna save him for the twenty four, twenty five. You know, we'll leave it at that. Like, what? What are you talking about? He's one of our best lockdown defenders right now. Besides maybe Caruso, but I haven't even seen Caruso playing that much defense. Um, then again, I haven't been watching the games because they just keep losing. They keep blowing. Like, I think this stat was they've had 19-plus games with almost, like, 20, 19, 16, whatever point leads, and they blow them and lose. Like, it's so, like, you already know, like, when you see a big lead, you already, like, know that, oh, it's gone. We lost the game. Like, we like we already know we're going to blow it. So it's just, like, with this whole inf- with this whole news with Lonzo being sidelined for the rest of the season, it's kind of, like, not a slap in the face, but, like, it's already expected. Like, we saw this coming, and it's, like, we can't really do anything about it besides take it and move on. And, I mean, I mean the whole addition of the new signing that we just got, it that doesn't even help us at all, in my opinion. So, I mean, I, need, I want an investigation done. Did the medical team mess up his surgery? This is a forty-six week injury. Now he's been out for fourteen months now, and he's gonna. It's gonna. Next time he plays the game will be next October. So that's literally like a twenty, twenty-month injury. And if he's not healed by then, there's like there has to actually be an investigation. Like this, this is ridiculous. He's getting paid, regular pay. To not do anything besides show a few clips here and there of him jogging with a limp, mind you, and then dunking, standing still, and then that's all we get. And then a couple months later, we get, oh, yeah, he's out for the season. Media coverage around this has been terrible. So, like, the, it's it's horrible. Like, there's zero communication between the Bulls and the fan base. Yeah, they don't have an obligation to say something to the fans, but, like... What are you doing with our franchise? This is a joke. Like, we're sitting here losing games consistently. We're on what what streak of a losing streak uh, are we six on? Six-game losing streak. Six-game losing streak. Probably going to jump up to double digits. And you want to hit us with the, yeah, he's done. Next year's our year. Excuse me? That That's my least favorite thing is that it, it seems like this overwhelming feeling from the Chicago Bulls that next year's the year. What, How? Why? Why? How? What What are you thinking? The, everything I keep hearing is that there's a possibility the Bulls might re-sign Nikola Vucevic. I will no personally shut down the Bulls franchise if they do that. No way. What have they shown? What is this core? This core of DeMar, Zach Levine, and Vucevic. It's just those three on the court. They have a negative plus minus. By it's, far. Like, I just don't know what they think is going to happen. Is, is Lonzo magically just missing pieces? That, so He's not that good. That's what they think. They think, like, Lonzo Ball is the next coming of Magic Johnson for some reason. Like, he gets 11 points, four assists, and plays solid defense. He's not that good. Like, Vooch is old. DeMar is old. Zach Lee doesn't want to be here anymore. We almost traded him to the Knicks during the trade deadline. Like... And then, say Vucevic does leave and Levine officially requests a trade, we're left with who? DeMar DeRozan? DeMar and Patrick Williams. So we have the San Antonio Spurs from three years ago. That's a 30-win that's a team. Like, if 
if we don't rebuild, like, we need to blow it up. Like, we're not even, like, it's, well, it'd be one thing if we were, like, an eighth seed right now. Then, okay, yeah, like, you make a case. You get Lonzo back, add a couple pieces. Yeah, we could be, a, like, a solid team. But no, we're... We're an 11th seed ready to be, like, a 13th seed. We're set. We're six games under 500. Like, we're bad. We're on pace for 45-plus losses. Like, we're bad. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys were talking about kind of the lack of communication between the Bulls and the media. How much of this whole Lonzo Ball debacle is on the front office? Oh, major. What? Yeah. Major. Because, I mean, like I said, no obligation at all. But, bro, like, we're all sitting here expecting a four- to six-week injury be a four- to six-week injury, not a 14-month injury almost turning into, what, 20, 22-month yeah, recovery? Yeah. And we... Even at that fact, we don't even know if he's going to play after that 22-month injury. If he's going to play ever again. At exactly. This, rate, this might be the end of his career. Yeah, because, like, he doesn't know what's wrong. The team doctors doesn't know what's wrong. You got old Bulls players like Nate Robinson commenting, what kind of injury does he have? Like, this is something no player has ever seen before where you're getting medically diagnosed for a four to six week and everyone is like oh that's normal you know we'll be back he'll be good and then we get videos here and there it's like oh this is promising it's promising and then all of a sudden it's boom nope no more i'm out and then have him lonzo himself jump on a zoom call talk to media and basically reiterate that they don't know what's wrong i don't know what's wrong next year we'll see are you kidding me like, this has everything to do with the front office because the front office doesn't want to look stupid. They got a thumb up their butt. And that's just what it is, plain and simple. And it's annoying. It is. It is. And it's funny, yeah, but, like, it's so annoying because we had, you know, they labeled him as this savior, defensive savior and whatever. Yeah, his offense was here and there, like, shining. But other than that, he has nothing to add. Yeah, that defensive key he adds well. But other than that, it, we're just paying him pointless money. And where we're, we could be spending that on some other star player or whatever, you know, it's 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 totally on the front office. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if Lonzo Ball was playing right now, Lonzo Ball is everything the Bulls need right now. You're right. He's a great defender when he's on the court. He's one of the best perimeter defenders when he is playing. He passes extremely well, which is something that the Bulls don't have right now. They don't have good ball movement. He shoots well. And he shoots threes well. He does the three things the Bulls need right now, and nobody else on the roster can do it for whatever reason. Zach Levine occasionally shoots threes well. Nobody else can shoot threes. No one else even Even try Kobe White's the next closest, and even some games he stops attempting threes. Like, his confidence for shooting is just gone this season. He's playing extremely well, but not to the level that We've seen Kobe White play before, and it's because just nobody has energy on this team. It's an awfully built team with no leadership. And, you know, this no communication with the front office and the whole Lonzo Ball situation takes me right back to when we found out that Billy Donovan is supposed to be our coach for five more years, three, more, three months after they gave him an extension. What? Why would you not say that when you did it? Oh, because you know the fans are going to be mad. Oh, because why would you not talk about Lonzo Ball? Because you know the fans are going to be mad about it. 
Kurt Sovis, or however you say his last name, needs to just be gone. This is atrocious handling of the whole entire franchise. It like I thought it was bad when Jim Boylan was the head coach. I thought that was mismanagement. Oof. This is this is a next level of mismanagement. Yeah. It like how do you expect anybody to be on your side? How do you expect any player to want to come and play for this team again? Any star player if you see DeMar DeRozan, who's one of the most fun players in the league to watch, look like he doesn't care. Zach Levine, who looks really fun all the time, looks like he doesn't care. Lonzo Ball sitting out with an undisclosed knee injury that nobody can diagnose because the Bulls' medical team is incompetent. Yeah, Lonzo went to go seek outside troops. He knew they were terrible. Like, how, how do you expect anybody to want to come play for this team, Let come coach for this team, let alone come be a fan for this team? Yeah. It's sad. And something needs to change. And I think everything needs to change for this team to be set up. And second of all, the thing that they thought needed to change was that we needed to add another point guard to the team. Yeah, that, that They're was... They're like, oh, Lonzo got hurt. Let's just sign Patrick Beverly to add to our already loaded backcourt of young players that we aren't getting any chance, or, uh, change to. Dalen Terry's still sitting on the bench. He had 16, 7, and 6 in the one game right before the All-Star break. That was the best any player's ever looked for the Bulls this year. Why has he been on the bench this entire year? And now he's going to be on the bench even more because they added more guard death by signing Patrick Beverly, who's been awful this season. Awful. It makes no sense. <laughs> That's the only thing Patrick Beverly can do at this. He, like, he adds nothing on the court other than, you know, he's tough and he'll go. Like, maybe we need that. Because he's going to walk into the locker room. Lonzo's going to be holding his knee. Damar's going to look all depressed. Zach Levine's making that pouty face. Vucevic is playing with his teddy bear. <laughs> and he's just going to come in there, hey, fo, I'm from Maybe that's what we need. But in terms of basketball sense, it doesn't make any sense. Because we already have a loaded rotation backcourt that has no bigs in it. Because we play, we start AO sometimes. We start Crusoe sometimes. Then we have... Uh, Goran Dragic, we have Kobe, we have who even else? But like all these Caruso when he's healthy is yeah. getting guard run. Like it's just pointless. And like I'd rather have Ao get minutes and have him be like you know our point guard for when we have to rebuild, than have Pat Bev get him and go three for eight from the field and really not that great defense, just energy, but. And yeah, they weren't key players, but just two hours ago, we released two players from the Bulls. I like that Malcolm Hill guy. Yeah, he's a, Whenever he's a he young gets player. in, he like makes an impact. I'm fine with Tony Bradley was kind of a big disappointment for me last year, so I'm fine with them cutting him. But like, but now Malcolm we don't, Hill, whenever he gets in, makes plays. Now we have a deficit in big men, though. Mm-hmm. Like, you're stuck with Vucevic and Andre Drummond for a team that probably should just be trying to throw it this year. Why would you not keep a guy like Tony Bradley just to soak up minutes at the end of the season, basically? I know you could probably just go sign that on a vet minimum somewhere. new Felicio. Exactly. That's just what he should be. You shouldn't go get rid of him to sign Patrick Beverly. And if you were going to go out there and sign some random veteran to help you go 500, you might as well have tried to give Kevin Love some money. For real. Like, the Bulls should have jumped on Kevin Love right away. He's a better fit for the team than Patrick Beverly right now. He's still good. He just doesn't. Get minutes in Cleveland. Exactly. He gets, whatever he plays, he, he produces. Had 
probably the most minutes in Chicago. And you, you know what he does? He plays defense and he shoots threes. Yep. Wow, that's crazy. That seems like and something the pass. Bulls could need. And he can pass. He can rebound. Yeah. He can do everything the Bulls need. <laughs> yep. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know what their direction is right now. Nobody knows what their direction is. I firmly believe they should have blown it up at the trade deadline. I firmly believe they should have done a lot of changes before the season even started. Yep. And now it's too late. And now they're going to be stuck in purgatory, just like the Utah Jazz a couple of years ago. Yeah, but at least they could. Yeah, at least they were good in the regular season. At least season. they were, would be very good in the regular season, one seed, one to three seed, win one series in the first round, and then get smacked. We, we can't even look competitive in the playoffs or even make the playoffs. To me, should have just never traded Jimmy Butler. Should have built her on him, and we would be fine right now. We wanted, we did a rebuild, then it failed. Then we did a retool, and it looked good for about a month and a half, and then it failed. And now we're in purgatory. It'd be one thing if we were like 500. Okay, late season run, maybe we know. Then we get into playoffs. Who knows what happens? We're terrible right now. And I mean, they they still have an opportunity to sneak into the playoffs because a team like Brooklyn, Brooklyn might fall out of. After you know, I don't think they they play pretty good. They they are, but they're also, what are they on? They are on a one game win streak, and they've been five and five in the last ten. They'll be okay because their first game after the break is against the Bulls. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think anybody playing the Bulls they right? smacked us the day after the trade. They didn't even have Cam Johnson and Michael Bridges. Now they got those two. Michael Bridges looks like a superstar. <laughs> well, that's because they can't play defense. Cam Thomas is going out there dropping forty five on them. You know, like, if you can't even guard Cam Thomas, who's one of the streakiest players in the league, like, how do you expect to guard anybody? That man will take shots from anywhere with anybody in his face. You might as well put somebody in his face, and they couldn't even do that. Like, it's just sad. And they had so many opportunities to help that out and fix that, and they just didn't. Um, You know, I'm not even excited to see where this team goes. No, we know where they're going to go. They're not making the play-in. It's, it's it's tough to watch. And again, like you look at the play in, three of the teams in the play in are under 500. And the Bulls are still out of it. Yeah. It it's 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 a tough scene. We're going to take a quick break here when we come back. We're going to give you guys a little bit of a short preview of the college basketball and the March Madness coming up here. Stay tuned for that. You're listening to the Blue Jay Boys Show with Big Chuck, Sackman, and Senor Diaz, only on WRSE. How's everybody doing? If you're just tuning in, this is Big Chuck coming at you live with WRSE 88.7 FM Blue Jay Radio. And like the intro said, you're listening to the Blue Jay Boys Show. If you guys are just tuning in, you missed us talk about the NBA and the NBA All-Star Game and also how much of a disappointment the Chicago Bulls are as a franchise. Uh, We are now going to be moving on to a little bit of college basketball. We wanted to give you guys a little preview of March Madness. Um, You know, looking at the rankings, it's it's been a weird year in college basketball, I would say. A lot of the teams that are up at the top, even the teams that are in the middle of the rankings, it's teams you don't see usually. Exactly. What's been the biggest surprise to you this season about college basketball? I mean, the Blue Bloods really aren't there. Other than Kansas, they're just in the pooper. I mean... UNC started the year out ranked number one. They might not even make the tournament. 
Duke hasn't been ranked this whole 2023. Uh, Villanova, Jay Wright retired, and I guess he was everything behind them. They're in, I don't even know what. Uh, I mean, odd teams like Alabama's number two. Uh, Purdue, I mean, which has had some good years, mm-hmm. but they're not anything special. I mean, you know, they, they're, they've been number one. Been a very odd year. I mean, the only really blue blood that's really playing well this year is Kansas. It's, I think they can repeat, mm-hmm. especially with a guy like Grady Dick. I mean, he's a beast. I mean, you look at the top twenty-five. UCLA, they're back. You know, Virginia. But then we got you know Marquette's number ten. Miami at thirteen. Look at Northwestern number twenty-one. Uh huh. St. Mary's up at fifteen. Fifteen. Wow, that's pretty high for usually St. Mary's gets in there at some point in the year, but that's pretty high for them. Yeah, usually it's like at the end of the year when they have to get into the top twenty. TCU was they were like number four at one point. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, uh, it's uh, kind of an odd year. I mean, and you look at a lot of these teams have like already have eight to nine losses. That's yeah. That's strange for that's all the way up to like number. F- Number nine 16, has yeah. seven losses. I mean, it, it's just it's a a lot of the years in the past, and with March Madness in the past, like these past five years, you have had no idea who's going to come out of those games. This year, I really have no idea who's going to come out of those games, and that has to do with a lot of the regular season. Usually, the regular season gives you a little bit of an idea. You can look at that, but teams that shouldn't be losing games are losing games, and teams that shouldn't be winning games are finding a way to win games and get upsets. Like. Really huge upsets. I mean, Houston dropped out of the number one spot a couple weeks ago because they got upset. You know, Alabama moved up and then moved back down because they had an upset. It's just you have no idea who's going to win. Um, with so many of the best players going into the NBA this year being guys who are not in college basketball, exactly who do you feel is the best player in college basketball right now? Uh, I mean, are we talking about overall performance yeah, you know, who who do you think has the best shot to really be, you know, the the college guy in this year's NBA draft going forward? Yeah, I'm not going to – Zach Eadie's been the best player in the country, but he's not going to do anything in the NBA. I mean, we do have Antoine Davis, who's going to potentially break Pete Maravich's scoring record, but he plays for Detroit Mercy. I mean, Duke doesn't really have a main guy. Neither does Kentucky. Uh, maybe like a Jalen Wilson, maybe, you know, at Kansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was his name? The guy on Baylor. It's uh, Keontae George. Yep. He may be the first college player taken. Or on those two, I mean, Oscar Tashiwe should have came out last year. He's really kind of fell off this year. I mean, in terms of just scores, you got – Somehow he's still in college basketball. Max Abbas from uh, Oral Roberts, good old Oral. <laughs> he's still in here. Uh, Edie's up there. Uh, Dingle, Jordan Dingle from Penn, smart guy as well. It's just very underwhelming year in terms of talent. Um, we were we were talking about this with college football earlier in the year, um, and we were talking about how. In that, we started seeing kind of more of a spread of teams being able to win and guys getting into the top 25 that you normally wouldn't see. And in basketball, it seems like we've been seeing that for a couple years, and this year it's really starting to kind of blow up. 
Um, do you think a lot of that has to do with what we were saying about how college football, how eventually that is going to start allowing these smaller schools to get more recruits? Do you think that's happening in the NBA and the college basketball? And that's why there's so much difference is that the teams are just so much more even now? Or is the talent just less because these guys are able to skip the M- their college so much easier? I think it definitely the portal plays into it, especially with, I mean, it's kind of fading now, but all the guys who have COVID years, that's definitely played a part. I mean, the G League, that helps. Uh, I mean, I think, yeah, the talent is definitely, it's not like, you know, the old Kentucky teams that had, you know, four first-round draft picks really haven't seen that anywhere. I mean, I think it's just more spread out. And with guys, the real blue chippers going to the G League, now it's just like, okay, we're going to be guys that are going to be here for two, three years and, you know, be college basketball players. That's what I think. Do you think this could be the beginning of the end for, like, the reign of college basketball? Do you think it's going to be as important to culture because all these guys, the best players, aren't playing in it right now? Do you think it's going to fall off? I don't think so. Now that they got NIL, that will help keep guys coming to college ball. But it's always going to be March Madness in college basketball. I think they'll be fine. It's just it's not going to be what it once was. It's a business now. It's not – you know, back like you watch a game from like 2012, 2013, it's special. Now it's just like, okay, now all people care about is, okay, who's going to hit the under? Who's going to hit the over? Who am I betting on? It's, you know, this guy's getting paid 500K this year to be a player for Duke. La-di-da-di-da. That's what it is now. It's kind of lost some of its magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I just. It I, it gives me the same kind of vibe as the XFL, XFL, as we were talking before. It's a lot of guys who are going out there to prove themselves a lot more than those guys that are going out in the G League and playing across the world to prove themselves. Those guys are playing as talent that honestly is maybe not those G League guys because those are guys who are fighting for the NBA too, but especially overseas, they're playing as talent that's not really as much there. And they get to show themselves off a little more, get to take a little more of a rest, get to be able to do all this. These guys that are playing in the March Madness have so much energy to them because they know they're competing with these guys that are having barely any trouble wherever they are. And I think that brings so much more of an intensity to these March Madness games. At the same time, though, I think we're also going to see a lot of really bad basketball in this tournament. I think there's going to be times where there's going to be teams not playing up to their best game. There's teams that are going to be highly ranked that may get blown out by a lower seed because I don't think the talent gap is there as much, but that also means we're going to see, you know, teams that don't have as much talent that are maybe getting praised as having talent blow up in the middle of the tournament. I think that's, you know, I think that could be scary for college basketball. I think that could be scary for a lot of fans who are watching this and going, oh, if, Virginia accidentally loses by 30, which is very much possible based on what we've seen this season so far in the college basketball, that could ruin that magic. And, like, I think a lot of people would say, well, that's cool, an underdog won. But it's still, it's not cool. It's not an underdog winning on a game-winning shot and then going on to win other games. It's the difference between the 4 and the 12 seed, and the 12 seed just happens to not be as bad as the 12 seed. Yeah. And I think that could spell some danger for the NCAA. But like you said, 
it's still March Madness. It's still going to have at least 10 years before yeah. anybody even starts thinking about it declining. Yeah. But I think this is something that college basketball should be a little worried about. And this is the same reason that they kind of got mad when high schoolers were allowed to go into the NBA. It's because they kind of saw this same stuff happening. As guys were saying, well, why would I ever go play in college if I can just go straight to the NBA? And then the NCAA got scared because they're like, oh, the best players are just ignoring us, which is kind of happening right now. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. Um, if you had to predict a Final Four way too early, who are you guessing is going to the Final Four? Kansas, I don't think – Bama's not going to make it. And I don't trust Purdue either with their best player being basically just taco fall on steroids. <laughs> uh, I think a team – UCLA, I think they got another big run in them. Uh, so you got those two who are at the top. Maybe a team like uh, – Kentucky gets hot. They're unranked and not the Kentucky that we know and love. Them. I think Oral Roberts has another shot left in them. I mean, I see them. They received a few votes to get in the AP Top 25. They received 14 votes. Max Ambus is still here. It's still scoring like a machine. <laughs> I think... A team like them, a small team that we don't really know about, similar to like a St. Peter's from last year. I think they're going to make a run to the Final Four. I'm, I'm not feeling – I don't think it's going to be like years past where it was like four blue bloods. I think this year – because last year we saw a 15 seed make it to the eight, uh, Elite Eight. Never before seen. I think now we're going to have a team like that make the Final Four, never before seen. Because even last year with all the upsets, there were still like four blue bloods. In there. So it was what, North Carolina, Kansas. It was in Duke. I think so, yeah. Duke, then some some other, yeah. But uh, ba- Baylor was in it. Yeah, Baylor. So, yeah, yeah. So, four blue bloods. Baylor's not necessarily blue blood, but they're 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 in that caliber. Team, it's yeah. like them, Wisconsin is all in kind of that yeah. realm. They're a little more legit because they won a chip back in 2020, and they just outmuscled them and lifted the football team for a month before or something. <laughs> Yeah, I think we're going to see a team like that, a 15, maybe a 13 seed, make it to the Final Four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one, one team I'm excited to watch, and I'm I'm trying not to be biased here, but Miami. Miami is a yeah. really fun basketball Jim team. Jim a good coach. A really fun basketball team to watch. And they made a run last year. They got it all the way to the lead eight. And I, I think this could be a team that has championship, you know, aspirations this good. season. Good, the football team ain't going to do it. No, sadly, <laughs> sadly not. Uh, another team I'd be watching if I was thinking about, you know, a real underdog, and this is a deep underdog guess, but Charleston. Charleston yeah. played hard last year. Charleston, yeah. I think they have a Florida lot of talent. Uh-huh. I think these te- smaller teams, and like I was saying before, and like you were saying, the talent gap is so much less. And, yes, that could mean some bad basketball, but that could also mean some teams that could be really fun to watch getting shine. A lot there. of guys, you know, slipped in recruiting because of COVID. Mm-hmm. That's what we're seeing. Guys fall through the cracks. Oh, a little tournament here got canceled. A tournament there got canceled. That's what you know. John Morant, he got to college basketball because his coach went to the gym to get some chips and he saw him dunk. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that didn't happen in 2020, 2021, early 2022 because of COVID. So you're seeing guys stay close to home, playing for the teams that they know are close to them and the schools that they know they can visit. 
and it, it brings out superstars in places you wouldn't expect, like Oral Roberts, like Charleston, like, you know, even Miami. I think a lot of people weren't expecting them to be as good. They're playing in the ACC. That's the best conference in basketball usually. And that's a team that comes out of nowhere, a team like Marquette, who has a lot of local guys, a lot of Wisconsin guys, a lot of Milwaukee guys, and they're coming out and playing really strong. It's it's fun to watch, um, and it's definitely going to make for an interesting March madness. I do, I do want to say one thing. I mean, I don't follow college basketball that much, but all I know is that Indiana's a good team, <laughs> but I hope they fail and burn because <laughs> I'm tired of seeing everyone post about this Trey whatever, Trace kid, like the star center for oh, Indiana, yeah. I'm so tired of seeing him, and I'm tired of seeing Indiana. Indiana's a bum state, bum <laughs> school. They're losing to Michigan State right now, which I'm happy, but I just I can't wait for the downfall of Indiana. Michigan State is a fun team, too. Yeah, they are. They're doing pretty good right now. <laughs> All right, we are going to move on quick. We're going to do a little bit of baseball here at the end of the show. Uh, me and Josh wanted to talk about this as spring training starts getting a move on here. Josh, way too early predictions. We're going to start off hot here. How do you think the Cubs are going to be this season? A lot of people are expecting them to be a dark horse now after they were kind of buyers in free agency, which I think a lot of people weren't expecting. Where do you see this team going this season? Way too early predictions. I'm glad I get to say this, but they're winning the pennant. That's a, that's a big guess. They, 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 are, <laughs> they are winning the pennant, bro. I feel like getting Swansby and Eric Hosner um, and adding key parts, and but also getting, you know, Cezaya, uh used to the whole accustoms of you got to be, like, kind of, you got to be, like, big, like, built, you know, like, physically built to really knock the ball out of the park. Because, like, he came in and he, was, he wasn't, like, scrawny, but he didn't really have any size to him. Man, spring training came around. This dude is massive. Like, I'm excited to see him play for World uh, Baseball Classic. Um, but I'm more excited to see him, like, translate everything he does in April and plays to, like, the regular season. Um, so I got them winning the pennant. I think Swansby adds a great. Him and Horner are going to be the best deal infield uh, that we're going to see in the MLB, in my opinion. Um, I think. I still think our pitching is going to struggle, but I think our offense is going to back it up with the bats that we have. Um, I truly believe that, and I honestly think we'll win the pennant. I mean, that's a that's a bold guess, I, I will say. Um, one of my favorite things about this Cubs team is that they are so young, and even the players that are old on their team are guys you think have been around, like the Cody Bellingers. Mm-hmm. He's 27 years old. He's not even close to what most guys primes are in the MLB most guys hit their primes around 28 29 30 in MLB nowadays he's at 27 already hit his prime so we know what his ceiling can be right now he's he's at his floor but we know what the ceiling is for a guy like Cody Bellinger and I think if all these guys are playing at their ceiling Eric Hosmer can find a way to play at his ceiling again which again the MLB is one of those sports where you see dudes just have random resurgences you know you look back Last year, uh, Buster Posey, two years ago, I mean, Buster Posey, Evan Longoria had a comeback season. Brandon Crawford, that Giants team that just out of nowhere, a bunch of old guys came out of nowhere. Eric Hosmer could do the same thing this year. You could see Kyle Hendricks have a resurgence this year at the pitching side of things. This team could be really fun to watch. And then you still have the guys from last year, Christopher Morrell, really fun players. Like yep. you were saying, Seiya Suzuki, Nico Horner's only going to get better. And he's already one of the best defensive player infielders in the league. Yep. 
Uh, you add on Dansby Swanson, who I think is, I think a lot of people have been, you know, they knew it was a big signing when the Cubs did it, but mm-hmm. it's kind of been underrated at the same time. Dansby Swanson is a really, really good player. I think he's going to help out this Cubs team a lot. I think he brings a lot of culture to this team uh, that they haven't seen for eight years now. It's been a long time since this Cubs team has really won. And I think he's a guy who can come in here and be like, I know what it's like to be on a winning team, a young winning team. I know how to kind of help these guys reach their potential as a leader. And he's still young too. So this team could be a a lot of fun. I wanted to ask you also about the rest of the teams in the National League Central. Who do you think is going to be the biggest rival to the Cubs this year if you think they're going to be pennant winners? I mean, staying in their division, definitely the Cardinals. I think the Brewers might uh, be a little worrisome this year. Last year, not too much, you know. Um, I mean, we did finish a place under them. But, I mean, this year I think they kind of turned it around. They're getting rid of stuff and adding a lot of pieces. Um, but always the Cardinals, even though they're losing three of the probably best players to play baseball, um, they still have a really good team. They do have Willie on their team, and we know he could throw anyone from a uh, home plate. Um, and we do have some speed on our side, but, I mean, he's proven that speed doesn't matter. He'll throw you out no matter what. Um, I don't really think the Pirates are a threat, honestly. I think the Guardians could possibly be a threat. I know they're not um, exactly in our division, um, but they're still on our side of things. Um, they could give us a lot of trouble this season because, I mean, we talked about it earlier in the show episodes that you know um they're young they're really finding their groove of things um and i mean it's just i feel like in general the younger teams are going to give us the most problems because they're really going to find their groove and mesh and like have that really nice bond and really find where what level they need to play at in order for them to be successful but with like these older teams are like the yankees and everything we just have to be worried about who we pitch and how they're going to pitch because we know they got some hitters. You know, they got an Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, you know, stuff like that. I feel like the bigger powerhouse teams that are that mostly like stayed together, we don't really have to worry about. Like, we'll take our losses to them, but I'd rather, like, take our Ws against those younger teams who can really put some damage to us. Yeah. I, I would say, you know, kind of with that pitching thing is, what the Cubs' biggest weakness this season is going to be if they have to outpitch another team. Yeah. And that's why I'd be scared of a team like the Brewers, who have one of the best pitching rotations in all of baseball. And although they're kind of lacking on the offensive side of things, if the Cubs have to outpitch them, they are not winning that game. I feel like the same thing with the Mets. Mm-hmm. Like, if we have to outpitch the Mets, we're not outpitching Justin Berlander and Max Scherzer. That, that's not even just the Mets, but. The National League in general yeah. is just stacked with pitchers. Stacked. Yeah. You know, uh, St. Louis isn't really any slouch. The Pirates, that's the best part of their team is their pitching right yeah. now. Their bullpen is one of the best in the league. Uh, the Reds have a more – they're in the dumps anyways. Yeah. They're the Reds. <laughs> but, you know, their pitching is a little more solid than their batting. You know, you look at a team like the Mets, like you said, the Dodgers have, are loaded with pitching. Um it's just the the Braves are loaded with pitching. Everybody is going to be gunning for the Cubs lineup and making them hit. Yeah, you want to force Cody Bellinger to swing the bat because he oh, hasn't yeah. done it well. 
Eric Hosmer, you're going to force him to swing the bat because he hasn't done it well. I feel like we have to force uh, Saya to really swing the bat more, in my opinion, because last year he was kind of conservative. And, yeah, he was injury up and down with everything. Um, but I feel like this year, like, we have to have him swing to get him accustomed because, what, we have him for, what, six more years after this? So I feel like we we have to get him, like, super accustomed to everything um, because, the, I mean – Japan pitchers are crazy. Like, they have some really good pitching. Like, I'm not going to shoot them down. But over here in the States, we have some insane pitchers too, you know? And it's sometimes it's a different ball game. Like, some of these guys sometimes freeze up. And I'm not saying he did that at all last season. But I feel like we need to get someone like him who's really put on the size, who can really swing the bat now and show some promise to really get used to the pitching and just get comfortable and have the confidence to be like, oh, you know, like, I've seen this guy. I know what he does. I played against him last season. But now, you know, I'm stronger and more confident. Let me swing the bat, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like he's might be a really big key part to it. Um, but also, like you said, like a Cody Bellinger getting swinging uh, Eric Hosner and then you got Swanson. I th- really think we get – we need to – honestly, we need to get Patrick Wisdom back on track to where he was before because before he was just destroying the ball left and right. And then last season – kind of took like a back like he took two steps back um i think we need to take like three steps forward with him this season um if we want to see the production that we saw like two seasons ago when he was just destroying everything that came at him um and then i feel like um you know like ian hap's gonna be in hap you know we know he's gonna get on base and like i said that's like i said before that's what matters getting on base and getting guys in is what really is going to help this Cubs team because we already know the pitching is kind of lacking. Even though we signed guys to minor deals and to even onto the main team, um, pitching is where we're hurting the most. You know, we're not going out there and signing guys like Verlander, Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw, stuff like that. So I feel like getting everyone on the offensive side of things to really, like, take three steps forward and start swinging more, obviously call your judgment on everything. But just be confident. Like, go up there with some confidence. It Obviously, it takes a level of confidence to even play in this league, you know, especially with all the young pitching coming out and whatever defensive new rules, too, that are going to happen. Um, I just, like, you know, like, just bring that level of confidence that you've always had, but, like, up your game, you know, like, really, like, buckle down and just get ready to go. Because I feel like if we kind of, like, you know, we see some hesitation, not necessarily like, you know, not swinging the bat or whatever, but more or less like the team morale, like just kind of take a step back. I feel like this Cubs team can really struggle a lot with that, especially, like I said, since the defensive side of things on the infield and outfield are fine, but that pitching is probably like the worst problem that we have and have had for years on end. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, the defensive size things are going to be great. Cody Bellinger is one of the best defensive outfielders in the league. Uh, Nico Horner is one of the best defensive shortstops in the league. You know, you're, and he's probably going to be moving over to second, second base. Second, yeah, I was going to say. The defensive second base, but still, great defender. You know, Christopher Morrell had played great defense last year, and he still has a lot of room to improve in the outfield, but yeah. he can do it. And, you know, you're giving up a little. Dansby Swanson isn't the best defender, and Patrick Wisdom is not a good defender. You know, you're giving up a little there. But you still have guys, you have Tucker Barnhart behind the plate who has kind of taken a nosedive in the past couple of years since he was a gold glover on Cincinnati. He isn't the same exact player, but he's been a gold glover before. Yeah. You know, you have a good guy behind the plate to help replace a guy, a current gold glover in Wilson Contreras who went to the Cardinals. 
Um, you know, I think that's is, is going to help them out. And like you were saying, it's, it's going to be a lot of ups and downs for this team. But I think that also means if the team is up, they're going to be trying to find guys to fit into the lineup that will help them win those keep winning games. And if they're down, they're still going to be rotating guys because they just want to find guys, give guys yeah. run, give guys a little burn on the field to see what they can do. So no, no matter what, you're going to get your opportunity with the Chicago Cubs team. Yeah. So these guys are going to have to really prove that they are still the players that they can be or will be. Um, Cody Bellinger is going to have to prove a lot, and if he's not, he's going to be benched. Yeah. Eric Hosmer, he's going to have to prove a lot. If not, he's going to get benched because there's younger guys in the system that they can start giving run to. Pete Crow Armstrong is one of the top uh, uh, recruits in the whole entire country right now for the Cubs in their minor league system. Uh, he's sitting right up there waiting for Cody Bellinger to fail. They're waiting to put that guy in. They don't want to have to put him in yet because he's 22 years old. But, you know, if Cody Bellinger isn't going to play well, they might as well bring him up and let him get a little run. So these guys are going to have to be on top of their game. <clears throat> and I think a lot of these guys have the ability to be on top of their game. They just have to want to be on top of their game now. Yeah. And I think a lot of these rules with the shift changes and the pitch clock is a lot of really beneficial to the hitters. And I think these guys, Cody Bellinger, who has struggled with the shift in the past, these past couple years, that's been one of his biggest issues. And the swing and miss, when pitchers don't have time to pick pitches, they're going to throw a lot of fastballs. That should help him out. Yeah. When defenses can't shift, he should be able to hit it wherever he wants. That should help him out. So hopefully we see you know, a resurgence in his career. And we don't need to see MVP Cody Bellinger. We just need to see a consistent Cody Bellinger. We need to see 20 home runs, 10 doubles, bat. 255 and play good defense and I'll be happy. That's a good season for Cody Bellinger. I will take that as a Cubs fan. Yeah. But we need to see that. Yeah, and that, that goes the same thing with Dansby, uh, Danson Swansby with, you know, he averaged almost a 280, 290 last season, but and his defensive stops were so-and-so, but they were still good, you know. It wasn't like he was super inconsistent. Yeah. Some games he were, you he, know. He's not a negative defender. Yeah. Him. You know, he's like your moderate, positive kind of guy. Like, he'll never drop, like, super negative in that uh, in that case. But, um, like, it's the same thing with him. Like, we got to see it at the at-bats and the de- the defense, you know, and really getting up. You don't, you know, we don't have to reach that 290 average again, you know. Like, let's, like you said, like 255, 260, something around there. Like, for this team... For my guess, you know, my outrageous guess to win that pennant, everyone on that team needs to be consistent. No one, in my opinion, no one should be dropping below a 200. You know, like, Wisdom was almost at, like, a one. He was, like, 190 at the end of the season. Cody Bellinger and Eric Hosmer on their respective teams were about, like, 190, 210 at the end of the season. Yeah, so, like, we, like, obviously there's a standard when it comes to, like, the manager and whatever and the team standards whatever, right? But if if we want this outrageous guest to actually come true, there needs to be a certain level, like a there needs to be a bar set for them, and then just get the repetition in, you know, because I feel like that's what's gonna get it done. But also, I think it goes back to um, not only guys who can do it offensive and defensive defensively, but guys who can do it more defensively, like Kyle Hendricks. You know, we got to keep him healthy. He was kind of – he missed a couple – not a couple games. He missed a decent amount of games for us. And he really needs to, like, step up as a leader because right now he's our number one. You know, and I'm pretty sure he's going to start opening day for sure. Um, you know, Maybe, maybe Jamison Tyone, but still. I, I, I would probably give it to Hendricks. Maybe even Smiley I can see them doing maybe. as, like, a curveball. Yeah. 
But right now, Hendricks is our number one. You know, he's he's our opening day guy, but he's our main rotation guy that we need in, like, in and out. Because once he gets adequate rest, blah, 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 whatever, he's a really dominant pitcher. But not only does he need to be a dominant pitcher, he needs to, like, boost the morale of the guys around him to really become not him but the better versions of themselves because that's the only way this pitching is going to do a good job and be consistent and actually help us win games, you know, and not have that not more or less fear, whatever, you know, that butterfly feeling in your stomach when they're just like, oh, man, I'm down two runs, you know, this and that. Like, it can't, it can't be like that anymore, you know, and I feel like that's what's gotten us in the past, you know. And that goes for any pitching. You know, when you got you come in off a of rotation and you give up a home run, you just, like, you slap your glove against your thigh and whatever. Like, stuff like that just can't happen anymore with us because I feel like it lets the other team know that we're they're in our heads and, like, our morale's, like, falling down really fast. We're not confident anymore. Like, we just have to, no matter what happens, like, confidence is key for this Cubs team. Cubs team being so young and – also having certain veteran key parts and some of them being World Series champions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, we definitely need to see what what the Cubs were at the end of last year. They were playing happy. They were having yeah. fun because they weren't worried about their record anymore. Yeah. They knew they weren't going to be very good. So they were out there just playing baseball, having fun. We need to see that from the beginning of the season with a better roster now. And if you can do that, this team can be really competitive. But you just got to have fun with the game like saying it just can't be heads down it can't be getting in those little moments of um just like despair when you're down and that can happen like you were saying with a team full of young guys these guys don't have the experience yet so they don't know how to handle a lot of those emotions and those changes Dansby Swanson hasn't been on a losing team in a really long time since high school actually I think he was only on winning teams in high school too he won state championships He's going to be on a not-so-good team for a little bit here. This Cubs team is not going to be good to start right away, probably. So he's going to have to learn how to deal with that. Cody Bellinger hasn't been on a bad team in his career. He's had bad points in his career, but he hasn't been on a bad team. Yeah. He's going to have to know how that feels. Eric Hosmer's been on a couple of bad teams, and he's been at some bad situations, but he's going to have to learn how to really be a leader now because he hasn't really had to be the main leader on his team. And this year he's going to have to be. So it's going to take a lot of, you know, mental toughness to get through a little bit. But if this team can keep up that mental toughness, it's going to be a really fun team to watch. And I think it's going to be a team that a lot of guys aren't expecting to, you know, break some hearts out there when it comes playoff time. Yeah, when it comes and, close to playoff time. And the last thing I wanted to add for this was that it comes down to us, the fan base. You know, reassurance is key for young teams like this that are, you know, just – you know, getting with a new team and the new management, whatever the case may be, right? It takes us, the fan base, to really, like, you know, go out there, support them, show them that, you know, they got this. You know, no matter what, win or loss, leaving early during innings, whatever, you know, like, there are still diehard fans out there that are rooting for you 110% of the way and still believe that you're going to make that run to go to the World Series and win us another championship. Mm-hmm. So that, that I feel like that's what, like, the cherry on top is, you know, is, like, the fan base just coming together and really, like, being super, super supportive for these guys to really give them that feedback and reassurance so then they're, like, more, like, calm and they're just, like, like you said, they're just playing. They're not even caring about a record. They're just playing baseball. Uh, before we end the section and end the show, I wanted to ask you quick, who do you think 
the MVPs of each league are going to be, the Cy Youngs, and who do you think is making the World Series? We'll start with MVPs. Who do you got for MVPs? Exactly. We'll get your opinion on this one, too. I'll go with uh, Aaron Judge for the AL, for the NL. Mm, I think Cleveland's going to have a big year. Go. Uh, Jose Ramirez? Yeah. Gotta love a guy. Jose Ramirez. <laughs> Um, AL, I probably have to agree. Aaron Judge. I mean, it's very hard to beat that guy. He, good defensively, great offensively. Um, and now, man, that's a hard one. I could possibly see, like, if the Phillies go on a run, like, um, what's his name? Bryce. Bryce Harper. Yeah, Bryce Harper. Um, kind of sticking with the Phillies. I think if they go on a run, I think Trey Turner is going to have a really good shot. New addition to them, and I think he's going to help out their team a lot. I think if he adds any more wins to a team that was already pretty good, uh, that's going to be evidence enough that he was the missing piece and that people would give him the credit he's kind of deserved for the past couple of years. I think he's kind of been you know, left out of a lot of MVP votes the past couple of years when he really should be. He was a huge part of those Dodgers teams. He was a huge part of those Nationals teams that competed. I think he's going to be a huge part of this Phillies team. I think this is finally a time where he's going to get his, you know, just dues. On the American League side of things, I don't want to say Aaron Judge. You know, he's the boring pick. I don't think he can match what he did last season. Uh, because of that, I think it's going to be Shohei Otani's turn to get an MVP. Ooh, and nice. I think he's going to get an MVP, and it's going to be kind of a lot what happened with Aaron Judge this year. He's an MVP, and then nobody's going to know where he's going to go. It's going to be chaos all season just for him to resign with the Angels. Yeah, but the Angels got to be good for that to happen. That is true. That is, that's going to be the interesting thing. We'll see what happens. Um, for Cy Youngs, Josh, who do you got? Uh, AL, I'll take Shohei Otani. I think this is a breakout season for him. Um, and then NL, you got to go with one of them, Max Scherzer or um, Justin Verlander. Exactly. We're going with Max Scherzer, Mad Max, the NL. He's been good for a while. I, I really like his demeanor. I think I'll go with him for the AL. I'll go with Shohei. I think this is the year where he balls out. The Angels make the playoffs, losing the first round, and then he becomes the highest-paid player in baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the AL for the Cy Young has kind of been – it's been one really good guy and then a, just like a wild card for whoever the next two best pitchers in the American League are going to be. So it's going to be somebody – you know, different every year. But I think Alec Manoa is finally going to get, you know, the praise he deserves. I think he's just going to take that next step to Cy Young Award in the American League. For the National League, you know, probably going to be end up being one of those Mets guys. But the past couple of years, the Mets guys haven't really gotten, you know, the playing time. So we'll see if those guys can stay healthy. Um, if I had to go with somebody else, Sandy Alcantara getting a two-peat, uh, I think, it's very likely he had a great season last year, and Miami's only going to be better this year if they're healthy. Yeah. And then, who do you guys your World Series matchup, Josh? I'll probably go Padres. Um, Padres, uh, Yankees. Exactly. If Tatis doesn't get another drug test... <laughs> I'm going to go with Padres. And then for the NL, I think. We'll go with Cubs. Hey. 
I'm feeling a little bit of a rematch here. I'm going Phillies Astros year two in a row. I think both those teams only got better besides the Astros losing Verlander, but I don't think they really lost much with losing him because they had, still have one of the best you know starting fives in the league. Um, I think we could get another rematch here. All right, folks, that is going to do it for us tonight. If you like what you heard tonight, be sure to tune in next week and share our show on Spotify. We'll be posting that on there after this. We will also be posting our food bracket on there, so be sure to vote for which two you want to see in the uh, food championship next week. They are for our XFL teams. And also, once again, shout out to Zach Norman for winning last week's food battle. You will also see him winning his $15 on our Instagram after this. All right, guys, see you later. Thanks for listening.